The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. going to start today's podcast by saying, hey, only two shows before opening night, but I guess we will have one released on Tuesday morning. So three shows before real NBA begins. 2019-2020 season is almost here. It's Friday. It's Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Bespris. We got a Monday show at the end of the weekend. We got a Tuesday show And then we got basketball before our Wednesday show. Our Wednesday episode of Fantasy NBA Today will actually break down results. Something that happened. It's mind-boggling. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. These last few, these last couple weeks have actually been a little bit interminable. The the preseason kills me. I I know everybody gets excited about it, and I do too a little bit. Um... But not from a fantasy standpoint. I ignore all of that in the preseason. I pay attention to individual teams a little bit, see if I can get kind of hype on, yeah, I'm a Laker fan. You guys know that about me. And that's been kind of cool. But the the preseason blows up fantasy expectations. All these young guys that are seeing big minutes right now are going to get drafted, and then they're going to crap themselves. I promise you this. It happens every year. And we never learn our lesson. But that doesn't matter. I just, I want the game to matter. I want the game to count. We're in our draft season right now. This is the best. Now we want to see how it worked out. Did we draft a decent team or did we soil ourselves? To be determined, I suppose. Um, Please do follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespers, or you can just Google Dan from HoopBall, as we've determined, and you can find my Twitter handle there. It's just a couple clicks down. It's like the fifth result or something like that at Dan Vespers on Twitter. This is, of course, a Hoop Ball and an Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company presentation. Hoop-ball.com is the website. Check out all the amazing stuff going on at Hoop Ball. You can get the draft guide. If you still haven't had your draft, you're doing it this weekend, the draft guide and the Brewski 150, which is in the draft guide, still available with a coupon code. I'm going to whisper it. The coupon code is Could you guys hear that? Brew. Coupon code is brew. B-R-U. See what happens when you punch it in. See if you get some dollars off. I got a feeling you will. So get some of that stuff. We also have the Game Time Premium, the full season premium membership. That's what that's called this year. That's circling, starting to come into view. That will actually begin on Sunday with our very first premium show of the year, hosted by Ethan Noroff and Eric Ong. All-star lineup for the first show of the year. And the Monday weekly waiver, weekly lineup show with Brew, myself, and Brandon Marcus. That's coming up as well. That might even air before this, before the next episode of Fantasy NBA Today. So I wanted to get that out of the way and then tell you what we got going on on today's podcast. Number one, you just heard me complain about the fact that everybody's way overvaluing what they're seeing in the preseason. Way overvaluing. It's not, doesn't play out this way when the regular season begins. The normal guys get the minutes. It's just different. People care. Second thing we're going to do on today's show is go through the remaining D-bombs. They've been languishing on this Google document that I wrote up at the beginning of the week, and I've just waited for the right time to bust them out. I've had, uh, what did we do? We did 
uh, six on Monday, seven on Tuesday. Yeah, seven on Tuesday. Um, Do we do any on Wednesday? No, it might have been none or one and then like one yesterday. I don't know. Doesn't matter. At this point, I know we've still got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We have uh, nine left. So we'll go through those today. Nine D-bombs on today's show. The Dan Bespris Old Man Squad, for those of you tuning in for the first time. And then we'll talk to the great Josh Millman, who has his five wild card players this draft season. This is going to be a fun one. We're going to go over 14 specific players for 14 somewhat specific reasons. Very exciting stuff. Again, at Dan Bespris on Twitter, give me a follow. Let's launch right into the fantasy stuff right now with our first Dan Bespris Old Man Squad member of the day, and it is J.J. Redick. We're doing this by ADP. So again, on Monday, we did ADPs uh, 30 through 53. Tuesdays, we did uh, 54 through 90, I think. And then whatever day it was, was it yesterday or the day before? I don't I don't even know. We did Serge Ibaka. <laughs> that was the one guy that slipped into one of those other shows this week. So today, that was all. We're all doing it by ADP. It's not by how well I think they're going to do. It's not by how much I like them against their ADP. This is just the way we're ordering them, and I'm going to continue to give you guys where I think they'll likely finish, and then we can talk about how we got sort of to that comparison mark. It occurs to me that many of you are going to be listening to this show that didn't listen to the four shows earlier this week. So very quickly here, lightning round on the previous uh, 14 names we've listed off. Uh, Chris Paul was the first one, ADP of 34.3. I believe he finishes inside the top 25 and a potential to be near top 20. Mike Conley, an ADP to 44.8. I believe he finishes inside the top 35. Otto Porter, an ADP of 44.8. I believe he finishes inside the top 30. Clint Capella, with an ADP to 44.9. This is on Yahoo, by the way. Finishes inside the top 30. LaMarcus Aldridge, who, again, might be my favorite on the list. ADP of 45.1. He's a top 25 guy. Tobias Harris, not far behind. 52.5 the ADP. And a uh, finish, I believe, of around top 30. Eric Bledsoe at 54.1. He's a top 35 guy. Brooke Lopez at 55.2. He's a top 40 guy. Again, this is a rehash for those of you that listened to all the episodes this week and and those tuning in today. And we're, we're blitzing through them fast. If you want the long explanations, those came on the shows earlier this week. So listen to those. Uh, Kyle Lowry, ADP of 56.4 and dropping. He's a top 40 guy. Al Horford at 61.9. He's a top 45 guy. Jonas Valanciunas, also one of my favorites. ADP of 67.1. I think he finishes inside the top 40. Gordon Hayward at 76.7. He's probably a top 50 guy this year. Jeff Teague at 91.1. He's top 75. And finally, Sergi Baca, who again, somehow got his own show. 98.6. That's right. Body temp. That's his nickname here. <laughs> Body temp. Sergi Baca. Uh, he's a top 75 guy. Okay, so so that's the quick version of those first guys. Now we'll take a few moments to break down these other names on the list before we get to our buddy Josh and his five wild cards. J.J. Redick of an ADP uh, at 108.6. I believe he's a top 90 guy this season. And now the explanation as to why. Well, Redick last year was number 87 on an average, a per-game basis, with Philadelphia. And his role is going to be very similar. He's on a Pelicans team 
that has a lot of interesting options, but not any one particular guy that's a brilliant floor spacer, unless you want to talk about Etwan Moore, who does shoot the ball pretty well, but he's not sort of part of their plans. So you're talking about Zion, who may or may not be hurt. We'll wait on more information on that front. Brandon Ingram, who can't space the floor. Lonzo Ball, who maybe I don't know. Drew Holiday, who's okay, but not a great three-point shooter. They need J.J. Redick. They need someone to step out and hit some threes, and he's going to do it. He's a brilliant foul shooter when he gets there. He managed to stay on the court last year for 76 games, so by totals, he was actually slightly better uh, than mid-80s. And even though he, we don't know if he's going to be starting or not, he has a pretty well-locked-up role. By totals last year, he's number 71, by the way. So it's very much in there. Yes, there is a mild amount of risk. Not a ton, very little. But with the way he's getting drafted, which is near 110, I think he can get inside the top 90. Like we said, last year he was inside the top 75, so I feel like top 90 is actually a pretty conservative estimate. Maybe the volume is a tiny bit lower. That would be your one fear with him. 13 and a half shots is not easy to replicate on a team with that many guys, but their pace is going to be crazy. So even if it's like 12 and a half, that ever so slight peel back for him. And if he plays in most of the games, yeah, he's a top 90 guy. Not super exciting, but fills out your roster in a way where you get threes and nice free throw percent from a guy that also won't tank your field goal percent. Not one of the most interesting names in this last grouping. This isn't a hugely interesting grouping, by the way. I don't want to sell this to you guys as the most important part of it. In fact, honestly, if I had plotted this out, I would have done the top guys last. But we're going through it numerically. So again, I'd recommend you guys go back and listen to some of the earlier shows for perhaps the more buzzy names on this list. JaVale McGee is the next one at 118.9. I believe he's a top 95 guy on the year with upside beyond that. If Anthony Davis misses any time, if Dwight Howard doesn't pan out, as we've known with JaVale, he doesn't need to play a truckload of games or a truckload of minutes to have value. He's shown he can do it in not a ton. He played 22 minutes a game last year. He was number 56 on a per-game basis because he blocks shots and he dunks the ball. And those are really helpful stats, and he doesn't turn it over. And without pneumonia, he was probably a top 45 guy, maybe higher. So even if his minutes drop by 10%, you're still talking about a guy with 7-ish rebounds, 1.8 blocks, half a steal. Very much a relevant fantasy player. And now there are multiple guys on the team moving around near him where he's just going to be floating all by himself for stretches, long stretches. The question is, how much do they want to play Anthony Davis at center during the regular season? They seem disinclined to do so in L.A., and so I think JaVale McGee is going to be one of the big beneficiaries of that. So I'll happily take him with a late-round center pick. He could cover up some block issues at the end of a draft. Danny Green at 125.4, super not interesting, but he is a top 100 guy this year because his role is going to be basically what it was uh, in Toronto, where they're going to need him on the floor a lot. He's going to be defending some of the best offensive players on the opposing team, and he's going to be camped out getting wide-open looks all the time. The question is, can they figure out the right way to use him? He was number 81 on a per-game basis last year. He played in 80 games. He had a very good field goal shooting season. Even if that number comes down a little bit, 
you're still talking about a guy that can put up 10 and four with uh, opportunity to maybe be a one, one, one guy and no turnovers. Basically he's almost a zero in that category. He's under one. He's a nine cat guy. He's a quiet plod and he fills out a roster nicely. So I think he's inside the top 100 on the year and probably better. Maybe I should get more aggressive and say top 90. Cody Zeller at 128.9. He's going to see minutes for a Charlotte team that desperately needs somebody to hang out on the interior. Uh, He's a top 100 guy. There isn't much upside beyond that. So we're just going to sort of bounce past him. But he's a guy I think you could grab very late. You know, last round if you still needed a center. He's on the list because he fits the criteria of old boring guys that are getting drafted way later than they should be. But also, at the end of drafts, you should be hunting a little bit of upside, which McGee has, uh, Reddick has a little bit of upside. Some of these other names I'm going to get into in a moment have a little bit of upside. Zeller doesn't, really. So, not my favorite guy on the list, but he's on it because he sort of fits, he checks the boxes. Rudy Gay at 130. Uh, Everybody hates Rudy Gay this year. I don't hate him. He's number 84 last season in 26 and a half minutes per game. His role is fairly secure. They brought in guys like Trey Lyles, Damari Carroll, and that's fine. But they also lost guys like Davis Bertans, and they thought they were going to have Marcus Morris. And that didn't happen. He's going to get his minutes. He's a very efficient player. And it's that same kind of thing where with these nine-cat guys that are very quiet, he was at almost 14-7 last season with two and a half assists, a little under a steal, half a block, 50 from the field, 81 and a half at the free throw line, and a three-pointer. This is, by the way, with him tailing off a little bit as well. I I just, to me, he's a guy you could draft really late where if things kind of break the right way and he's healthy, he only played 69 games last year, so his totals are actually very close to his his per game number, uh, he could be inside the top 90 again. I have him listed at top 95 on my list, but I think he could actually beat that. So again, if you're, this is a guy you're taking at like 140 with top 90 potential. That's not horrible. Here's why I bring these guys up again. You know what? Actually, let's finish the list, and then I'll loop back around to some of the reasoning here. P.J. Tucker at 136.9. He's actually a top 85 guy. This one I'm actually floored at how far back he's going. He was number 90 last year on a per-game basis. His role is only going to get bigger. They have no one in that front court at all. He's going to be playing some center. His job is to rebound, get steals, and hit three-pointers, and he's just going to be wide open in the corner any and every possession because it's either going to be Russ or it's going to be Harden, and he's going to be just ready to go. I'd love it if he could break 40% from the field. I don't like that he shot 69.5% at the free-throw line, but there's no turnovers. There's threes and steals and rebounds. It's an interesting kind of three-grouping. It's three and D and reeb, and that's a useful guy to grab in the last round of your draft in a roto format, more than head-to-head, obviously. But even in head-to-head, he buttresses you in steals in a way that a lot of guys don't, and he gives you an opportunity to win turnovers, which most people punt in head-to-head, and you don't necessarily have to. And he played in all 82 games last year, which is a big deal. Because if you're number 90, and you play in all 82 games, this is more valuable in the head in, the, in a head-to-head format because he didn't miss any games. He was actually number 50 in totals last season. You can't argue with that. I know I've said before that when you get to a certain point, especially in Roto with a games cap, you really want to lock in the guys with the best per game numbers. 
that makes a guy like P.J. Tucker a tiny bit less relevant. But anybody that's inside the top 50 in totals did something right. And in head-to-head, you want a guy who's going to play every damn day. He did. So I like him. He's more interesting to me than some of these older guys here. Uh, Wesley Matthews is a name that no one's talking about. He went at 141. Uh, he's probably the lowest ranked guy in all of the D-bombs. I think he's more of like a 110, top 110. So we're not going to bounce around with him for too long here on today's show. Uh, but if you needed some threes at the very end of your draft, he's a guy that could do it for you. Two at the very end. These, are, these to me, are maybe the most interesting, uh, with the exception of JaVale McGee, in this last grouping of D-bombs. Torian Waller-Prince at 141.9, who I think could be a top 100 guy this year, playing on a team where maybe he'll get a few looks, a team where, yeah, there are other guys handling the basketball, but it's not going to be only Trey Young all year the way it was last season. He just had no opportunity in Atlanta. And I think this will be an interesting test and maybe an interesting fit. I think the Nets want him. So I've got him as a top 100 guy who's being drafted in the 140s. And Kent freaking Bazemore, 146.2. I don't care that he's coming off the bench for the Blazers. Blazers, I actually kind of prefer it. And it makes sense from a team standpoint because he is the rare... He actually fills the role that Evan Turner had last year. He can help run the offense with the second unit, but he can also play off ball a little bit better than Evan Turner could. He's better defensively also. Steals and blocks... He's in a great spot because he's going to be on uh, a really uh, strong team that runs a good offense. They want to win, so they're not going to just bench him to get young guys in the way that Atlanta did. And we already know from watching Kent for multiple seasons now, he doesn't need 30 minutes to be a fantasy-relevant basketball player. He really only needs like 26. I see that as a no-brainer for this Portland team. They've got Dame and they've got McCollum. Dame played 35 and a half minutes last year of their point guard stuff. So, I mean, that doesn't really creep in all that much. CJ McCollum, he's going to play his 30 some odd minutes as well. And beyond those guys, CJ, by the way, played 34 minutes a game last year. Uh, Rodney Hood, I mean, do we really see him playing more than 25 or 26 minutes? Nah. And then what do you got? Mario Hazonia? Hazonia? I hardly even know her. Uh, Bazemore's going to play. He can play the two, the three. They might even let him play a little four in the modern NBA. Not a great idea, but a possibility. There are plenty of opportunities for him. If he plays every backup two-minute behind McCollum, that already gets him to 14. He's only got to find another 12 or 13 minutes at the three with Rodney freaking Hood, I must remind you, who's not that great. But he's a better floor spacer than Bazemore, so that's why he's in there with McCollum and Dame because he can play off ball. Bazemore does a little bit more ball handling, so he'll run the second unit. I think he's going to be great, actually, in Portland this year. I think he's going to have a great season, and they're going to get him on the floor. I think he could close games for that team, frankly. He might be their closing three when they need to play some defense. It's not wide open, and Hood can just camp out and shoot threes. Those Both, both those guys might be on the floor. He's a guy that I'm trying to grab... I know he's listed at 146.2. I would take him a little sooner than that because I think he's inside the top 90 at the end of this year. That's a big deal. If you have like the number 84 guy that you drafted in the last round of your league, 
If you're in a keeper format, that's a cool thing to have. If you're in a regular format, that's a cool thing to have. Not only does he sort of plug the gap with your team, but if you misfired with anybody earlier on, he's an easy plug and play. It's a beautiful thing. So that's the D-bombs for 2019-2020. I'm sure someone else popped up in there that I overlooked. I tried to look at all of them a bunch of times and make sure I didn't miss anyone, but I couldn't make the list that long. Again, I would strongly recommend you guys listen to the Monday and Tuesday shows in particular. I spent the entire program going over the first 13 names on the list who we just, again, rattled off and really in-depth explanations on all of them. Five, six, seven minutes on every single one of those guys. And I, I think you can build a team with a lot of those guys early on, and it allows you to, to take some chances early on as well because you know you have these safe guys that are going to outperform their slot. I want to remind everybody to sign up for the Hoopball Newsletter. The Hoopball Newsletter with exclusive content from the great Aaron Bruski himself. I believe the first edition will be coming next week as the season gets started. You cannot get this Aaron Bruski content anywhere else. It's not on Hoopball. It's not on Twitter. It's nowhere else. It's not on any podcasts. The only place you can get these articles is through the newsletter. So sign up for them immediately. Follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. I'll be tweeting the link out. At Hoopball Fantasy is our blurb and news feed. At Hoopball Tweets, you can find the link there as well. And it's going to be coming soon to a hoop-ball.com homepage near you. It's wild card time, guys. Let's talk wild cards. The wonderful Josh Millman is here. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. That's a. <laughs> I, I don't even like. I, there were so many things that I wanted to say in introducing you, uh, but I'm going to keep it all in my back pocket. What's up, man? So you stuck with wonderful. I, I, yeah. I'll take it. Who ballers? What's up, guys? <laughs> Dan. Um, yeah, thanks for having me back. It's been as usual far too long. Yeah, but you were on the show. I just wasn't on the show with you. Yeah, it was it was me and Neil hamming it up half the time. So yeah, that's but this was also but this was like in the summer when you know there's we're we're trying to figure out what to talk about with regards to Team USA or you know doing a two man mock draft that went off the rails by like pick three. <laughs> that was my favorite. I loved that so much. The magic that of was, NBA down season. I it was it was chaos. I I actually. I want to go back and look through this at some point and, 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 and look and see, like, all right, how bad were these picks in the summer relative to where, you know, the marketplace has kind of settled as we get closer to the season? Like, I don't think it was that bad. Here. I don't think you guys were that okay. far off. I, I actually just thought the format was amazing. I was laughing the whole way through because almost every time it got back to Neil, he, he, he started with, Oh, he was uh, a mess. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> he, he was a mess. <laughs> you got you somehow stressed him out on a two man mock in the summertime. Oh, it was crazy. <laughs> I love that I love guy. Neil. But yeah, I just yeah, I I don't know. We just we had fun with it, you know. Yeah, yep. like you said, downtime. And look, it's just fun to mess around with things as you prep for the season. Precisely. He is at yeah. Josh Millman on Twitter. J O S H M I L L M A N. Josh, you've actually uh I, I mean, we you know we goof around a little bit, but you've got some seriously legitimate things we got to cover on today's show, and it's I think we're calling them or you called them wild cards, right? So can we can we profile some of these guys? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So I I actually kind of thought of this. I took a page from you because you really don't like the term sleepers. I don't. 
Um, and the truth of the matter is really that just sleepers as well as like, you know, the whole breakouts and bust thing, it's, you know, it's good for clickbait, but it's kind of played out in fantasy world. So I was trying to think of what, what's different that we could throw together. And I just decided, you know, I need to up my Twitter game a little bit. (laughs) So, So follow him because this is happening now. Yeah, totally. Um, so I just came up with the concept of wild cards. And so what does that mean? So it means I'm trying to identify players, at least, you know, guys who are going in the middle, early to middle-ish rounds of, of drafts where the range of outcomes are all over the map. So do you like these guys or do you hate these guys or is it a mixture of both? It's going to be a mixture of both. And, and, and as we get into them, I'll, I'll try to explain some of my thinking between this. But, but really, you can talk yourself. You can play good cop, bad cop with any of these guys. Good cop saying, oh, this guy is going to have a great season you know, because of X, Y, Z reason. And, or you can talk about the same guy and say, actually, no, this guy is going to fall apart. I'm not drafting him at all we could actually play that game on this show if you like i can just try to take the opposite side of whatever you take on a guy um yes i think we'll have some fun arguments yeah let's do it yeah and i'll we'll we'll, you know we'll stick to our guns even if we don't believe it and then you know at the the end of each of those discussions we'll probably want to actually plant our flag in in how we feel about the guy so give me one uh guy number one who's wild card uno so i identified five players as my wild cards for this season and Wild fantasy Josh Millman fantasy wild card number one is someone who I actually have grown to love. His name is D'Angelo Russell. Oh my goodness! Yeah, well, he was a net. That's true. So that'll do it for you. That'll do it for me. Uh, yeah, the last season was a f- fun and wild ride, and I will forever be grateful for D'Lo. Uh, but he is a fantasy wild card for me because at the time I I I, I wrote this. On Twitter, his uh, Yahoo nine cat ADP was thirty nine point seven, and most of the mocks that I had been doing uh, pretty much showed him uh, going off around the you know like the late third to you know fifth rounds or so, and and there was a lot of variability in where he went. Uh, again, the later he goes, the more valuable he becomes. Uh, but there's a lot of reason why he could go all over the map. The, you know, the positive is that he was great last season um, and, you know, produced, you know, eight cat. He was like, you know, the top 20 to 30, I believe he finished in nine cat. When you count the turnovers, it, it got into a top 50 season. So he, um, you know, somewhere in that vicinity. So he's basically being drafted, you know, about where he finished last season now he's still young there's still room to grow um and you know when he was with the nets last season he had this breakout and he really only did it in 30 minutes per game um he as everyone knows was sent to uh the golden state warriors as part of kevin durant coming over to uh my beloved brooklyn nets which was crazy by the way which is lunacy the whole, the entire deal was just totally crazy. Just total lunacy, and I'm, I just, I, I can't speak lovingly enough about Sean Marks 
and my affinity for him at this and point. I, somehow the Warriors ended up with an all-star in and all of the that. the Warriors ended up with an all-star when, when it was all said and done. Yeah, it, it was crazy. And I read, I also read a report that, you know, they were trying to figure out a, a sign-and-trade with, uh, with Kyrie and Kemba and Terry Rozier uh, with Boston that, that clearly just didn't pan out at the end of the day. Um, I, I didn't really get into it. But anyway, we're digressing a little bit. Um, so... Now that D'Lo is with the Warriors, you know, where he's being drafted as, you know, in, the, in this, again, round three to round five range. And where everyone is just expecting D'Angelo Russell to kind of then finish where he did with the Nets. But the opportunity is very different than what it was with the Nets. D'Lo was the guy in Brooklyn. He is very much not the guy in Golden State. Uh, but again... Like I said, he only played about 30 minutes a, a night in uh, Brooklyn, but I, I'm going to just say that underneath Steph and Draymond, that that roster is pretty questionable in uh, in Golden State until Clay comes back. So he's going to get more time, and they're going to need to keep him on the court because you know they're going to want to keep Steph healthy, and you know Draymond Green gets nicked up here and there. Those are they are three stars, and and the rest of the team is kind of anyone's guest. So, uh, you know, there's all these reasons why he could exceed his draft capital, but there's now uh, this it's his third team in five seasons. Um, again, he's not going to be the guy. Um, you know, when he played with um, Spencer Dinwiddie in Brooklyn, he also kind of had a lousy two man rating. They really struggled together at times when they played together in the same backcourt. So how is that going to pair with Steph Curry, who is such this dynamic creator? And whereas D'Angelo Russell really thrived when he had the ball in his hands off the pick and roll. So that's an inter- another interesting dynamic that plays into it. So, all right. So in eight cat, if he's going, yes. if he's going near 39, it sounds to me like you think he'll probably exceed that. And in nine cat, I feel like you- from what I'm, I'm just trying to read into what you're saying now, I feel like in nine cat yeah. you get the feeling he might actually be ever so slightly behind that number. So I'm actually the bad cop on 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 uh, D'Lo this year. Ah, so I, worse in both I, then. Yeah, I I can't. It's it's hard for me to see a scenario where he matches the output of last year. Um. I, I think there's going to be, it's one, it's, I think it's going to be less shots, less assists. And I think that you're going to have the specter of Clay Thompson looming over his shoulder throughout the entire season. Clay is such a dynamite player in his own right, especially like, again, the, the way he can get hot from deep is pretty much unparalleled in the league. And at the same time, it's just, he can clamp down on, you know, the, the the best offensive player on the opposing team. And as much as I love D'Angelo Russell, he doesn't carry those same traits. Um, and, and, you know, so we, it, it's, it was a great question I saw. I think it was SB Nation. It's like, how, what, it was Clay Thompson really the key cog in the wheel that made the, the Warriors machine go? So any sort of slip up in those you know, both counting stats and, and potentially even the percentages, especially from deep. I, I don't think that you can recoup, you know, top 40 value from, from D'Lo this year. Mm. And then once Clay Thompson actually gets back on the court, it, you know, the bottom could fall out. 
Yeah, I, you made me. You made me the good cop on this one, and this is not. <laughs> this is not the position that I think yeah. I would have taken. Uh, but I'll do my best here. Um, I'm going to argue on behalf of an improvement in efficiency for D'Lo as a reason why maybe he could get there. Forty-three and a half percent shooting. It was actually decent for him last year. That was a solid number, but maybe alongside Steph and Dre and guys that can get him the ball and in a better spot, could we see that get up to forty-five? Could we see his free throw get up to 80? I mean, he's never been a great foul shooter, but slow and steady incremental improvements. Listen, I'm trying real hard to make the positive case here. I know, I know. It's, yeah, look, it's, I want to, again, I thought about the same things. And what does three to five to maybe six extra minutes a night really get uh, D'Lo? Probably an injury. Probably, yeah. Exactly. And and he played the full season last year, but he was, you know, you would consider him injury prone in his prior two seasons to that. Yeah, his knee was always messed up. His knee was messed up. And again, like you said, his, uh, you know, his field goal percentage has been, you know, last year was great for him. And, you know, but historically he's been around that kind of 40, 41% mark. It's it's kind of hot. Maybe he cuts down on turnovers because he won't have so much of the ball handling responsibility. Um, but again, it's kind of like okay on D, not great. So you're not gonna, you know, he can get a steal a night, but it but it won't be an overabundance of them. Uh, it's just it's hard for me to really see beyond. That. I know you're trying. I, I just think it, maybe it's an increase <laughs> in some of the counting stats, save for assists. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of a little bit down on him in reality. I, I know I was making my argument for the other side, but yeah. in terms of actual feel on this one, I'm not ending up with that many shares of D'Angelo Russell. Um, and I think people are, are doing... There's some of this happening because of sort of the point guard run that everybody's talking about this year, but there's still guys like Brogdon and Bledsoe and, right. and Lowry, if you're willing to take an injury plunge. Those guys are still on the board and usually... Uh, much better values. Um, yeah. All right, give me number two. Who's number two right. on the list? Player number two is... Oh, i got to go back and dig through Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it, nothing it, Nothing bad can happen that way. Exactly, seriously. Oh, I, did I really tweet that out loud? <laughs> um, so uh, number two is Kevin Love. Ooh, this is a fun one. Yeah, this is a really fun one. Uh, so at the time, his Yahoo ADP... Uh, was 44.4 and it is uh, it currently 50 51 8 so he's falling oh, so like he, a boulder wow, so he dropped so like that's it that's interesting that he's he's dropped and i guess like, that makes sense because again i think people are kind of scared uh you know from the injuries um but what i argued is that you know we when he is healthy or at least relatively so we know who he is and he's you score rebounder um, and elite free throws, and he can knock down threes, and that's a great out-of-position stat to have, especially for someone who's going to be center eligible in most leagues. Um, I, I believe that last year that 38.5% number was kind of an outlier to his uh, career efficiency lines. Yeah, low 40s, I think, is a better target yeah, it, than high it 30s. Seems, it seems ridiculous to me. Um, but again, what you're dealing with is is ultimately, is this guy healthy or not? 
And he's now played, you know, he's played, he hasn't played in more than 60 games in his last three seasons. He's had multiple surgeries. Um, it, it's, you're taking on a massive injury risk. And really, the, the hope is, and as, this is more for me as the head to head guy, I know you're the roto guy, so you might not feel as uncomfortable about this but like you're pretty much just hoping for 60 to 65 games this year yeah could you even could you do it in a head-to-head league i don't think i could it's it's very tough i actually own him in a head-to-head league and <laughs> so you're already saying prayers I'm al- yeah i'm already kind of <laughs> saying prayers but at the same time if if i can squeeze the 60 to 65 out of him and i know that i can build in you know where he's missing a week or two here and there i'm not that worried about it Right, because there's very Uh, few guys that are getting drafted around 50 that could actually be kind of an end of the first, early second round per game value, and he's done it before. He's done it. Exactly. Yeah, so I'm I'm actually good cop on this, and I'm sure you are too. Yeah, because I am a roto guy, so you walked right into my wheelhouse, and and my my roto leagues are all sitting on somewhere between 82 and 90 on a games cap, so even if he misses 25 games, it's... It's not the end of the world. Yeah, it sucks, but I can plug somebody in to fill those those 25 you know it's not just Correct. taking a goose egg for four six weeks or whatever it is in a head-to-head spot mm-hmm. I, I i took him in a head-to-head league last year and i hoped that i could squeeze those 60 some odd games and then he got me 22 and normally i would say well you can't you just you can't bank on that i don't know that i can do it in head-to-head again um because of the fear especially the when now because i actually do i agree with you josh i think he I think he does get a better number of games played under his belt this year. I, I these guys don't want to miss two full seasons in a row. They're no. they're pros. He's you know he's like how many years is he actually going to be doing this? So uh, I think he wants to be out there. The question is, are they really going to force him in if it's late March and he's still on the Cavs? Um, his head to head number scares the hell out of me. But in Roto. Hell yeah, I'll take 60-some-odd yeah. games of a top 20-per-game guy uh, drafting three rounds later than that. I'm definitely on. I'm pro-love. You're Ant- pro-love. Anti-hate, pro-love. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, look, I'm with you on all of the above. I, I, but again, I'm, taking, I'm not afraid to take the plunge on this. Uh, and I think a lot of that is also, you know, John Beeline coming in. I know that that's, a, a you know, kind of like, a, from what I had been reading, a, a very much a culture move there. You know, they, they, they all know that this Cavaliers team is not going to be good. So let's get someone in there who's got a track record of developing guys, and they need that with Colin Sexton. They need that with Garland. And, you know, let's, let's put, try to put a good product on the floor. You know, we're not going to win a lot of ball games, but no, at the very not. least, let's, let's put some foundation for the potential to win ball games down the road. And Kevin Love has to be a part of that for that to happen. You don't think he ends up in Portland? I don't know. Um, I I don't like speculating on trades too much. Yeah, as I don't it even affects know. my fantasy builds. And there's too much. There's too many things that happen. We there's can't. Too many we can't really know. That happen, you know. But even if he were to get traded and to a Portland or wherever it may be, you know, he's we we already know what he was with two other stars on his team. Yeah, he was fine. He wasn't he was outstanding, fine. but he yeah. did, you know, top 30, top 40 guys. So if that's what I get from a healthy Kevin Love with two other, you know, stars, if you will, and like a Dame or, Dame or CJ McCollum, 
that's not the worst thing in the world either. No. No, it's not. All right, number three. Scary Terry Rozier. Oh, yeah. Please please let me take the anti on this one. Go nuts. <laughs> okay. He's all yours. I do not want a guy taking 18 shots a game and shooting 38%. Boom. Done. If you're not in a points league, I can't do it. <laughs> I, I am with you. Um, but, I, okay, so I will be the good cop. Yeah, good cop me. The, I, um, let me off okay. with a warning, good cop. Yeah, no, we, we, we kind of also have seen... Uh, and, uh, you know, when there's no one else around him and he's allowed to go ape, it's, you know, he ha- he's playing 30 something minutes a game when he was on the Celtics and the world was crumbling around him. Uh, he was a top 75 player. It was 15.1 points per game, 5.3 rebounds, 4.3 assists, uh, two and a half, uh, three pointers and almost a steal a game. Yes. The percentages were lousy, but I think for where he's being taken in the draft, um, if you're smart about it and you have guys that can deliver you solid percentages at the top, um, there's nothing wrong with taking a uh, and loading up on some of the other counting stats because there might be no way possible that he doesn't lead the league in like usage and minutes played. It's it's like uh, that team is terrible, and for the amount of money that they're paying him, they 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 should be playing him until his legs fall off. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that element. He's gonna have some really big scoring and assist games. You know, the world's greatest passer, but he'll do enough of it, I suppose. Uh, provided anyone else on that team can make a bucket nearby, uh, right. I just, uh, I mean, yeah, he's go stepping into this giant role on a on an horrendous team. And the only argument I can make for how he could sort of slip by is that teams just don't pay any attention to their game prep when they play the Charlotte Hornets yeah. this year. That's just they like, just whatever. Exactly. And, and then Terry will have his big game and the other team's coach is going to be like, you idiots, you really should have prepared better for Terry Rozier, mm-hmm. but whatever we won. So let's focus on the next one. Uh, and that right. could happen because they're a terrible team and terrible teams get overlooked. So, yeah, but boy, I mean, he's never he's never in his career had any kind of decent shooting number. You know, he, he his career best was thirty nine and a half percent two years ago. He that, That's the best. Again, that, that means that there are other ones mixed in. Thirty six point seven, thirty eight point seven, a big volume bump on that. Uh, he could take himself outside the top one hundred just from field goal percent alone. He could actually be a rare punt field goal percent guy, like Tim Hardaway Jr. <laughs> yep. Just have Terry Terrozier um, and Tim Hardaway Jr. on your team. You're set. Can I tell you a secret, Dan? You can. I, I was team bad cop also. But yeah. Like, he's... For the sake of, for the sake of <laughs> letting you. you go nuts, I, I needed to be team good cop. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for taking one for the team on that one. Yeah. No he's... problem. Just good one Lord. last thing on one last thing on, on Rozier, um, you know, because I, I, I'm with you. Like it, it, that's a, it's a pretty tough situation to swallow. Again, if you're desperate for counting stats at in the middle parts of the draft, then, you know, I, I, I can't really speak to your draft strategy. That's a different story altogether. But um, assuming that he gets Kemba's full workload, that was 35, 36 minutes a night. Really, the simple thing is if we believe that we know who Terry Rozier is as a player, look at the per 36 numbers. In 17, 18, 
when he had that explosion without Kyrie, without Marcus Smart and all those guys, he was 93rd in the league on, on, on a per, 30, uh, per 36 basis. Last year, even with all of you know the Boston drama and really having to share all those minutes with the, the complete logjam on that team, 94th. So mm-hmm. almost no change in per 36. So I think we already know what to expect. And if you're going to get a 90-something player at a 60-something ADP, well, you do the math. That's you're not, not getting you're not getting your value. That's I feel like I needed to use the not great Bob kind of line. Exactly. Uh, all right, Josh, give me number four. Number four. Big is four. Derek Favors. Oh, that's another good one. Yeah. I don't actually know I, which I, side I, I, I want to. I really thought this through. I didn't like just go to Twitter just like doing things willy nilly. I really thought about <laughs> this because I wanted to think of some, again. Sleepers are are tired. Fantasy wild cards, that's wired, baby. That's <laughs> that's right. And we're using the kids' lingo too. Yeah. Yeah. Two old two old men using the kids' lingo. <laughs> what, what a ridiculous podcast. Um, I actually like the fact that Derek Favors has done nothing at all in the preseason, uh, because his draft stock is tumbling, tumbling, tumbling. Uh remember when he was getting drafted at like forty? When these leagues yeah. opened, his ADP is 61 now. Yeah, so I think at, when I tweeted this, this was at the beginning of the month. It was 51.9. Yeah, he's down around since then even, and he's down around yeah. even before that from where he yeah. opened. And that this means... Is, this I mean, is much better. I think that, that makes him a little less of a wild card from when I had done this. Um, because I think that there's, you know, at 60 something, I think that provides a little more value than where he was at 50 something. Right. Well, I think it's still, he still fits the profile of a wild card though, because we don't, there's a lot of discussion, open discussion as to what he's actually going to do this season. So regardless of where he goes, I will point out too, by the way, if his ADP is dropping this fast, this late in the game, that means he's actually going a lot later than 61, and it's pulling yeah. that number down uh, fast. I'm seeing him go in the 70s and 80s in some drafts now. Same. Yeah, I'm yeah. seeing that a lot too. I'd take him there. I'd take him in the 70s I would absolutely. Would, I would. So, I, so I'm assuming that you're a good cop on this. Yeah, in, that, in the 40s, no. Uh, in the 70s and 80s, yes. So there's, okay. I mean, that's a pretty big window, I guess, but... Um, that's, a, that's a pretty big cop out there as, as well. Dan, oh, a hundred percent. So I'll, I'll plant my flag in some numbers then that'll make it uh, a little yes. bit less, a little bit less of a cop out. This is a professional show. Damn it. That's right. That's right. We're all above board here at fantasy NBA today. I think he basically does what he did last year in Utah. Um, there was a hope I think. And, and that's why his number came out so high that he was going to play 30 minutes of center. Uh, mm-hmm. But his body can't handle 30 minutes of center. And so when he came out at 40, I thought, nope, he ain't going to last that long. But where he's at now is basically where he was last year, which is 12 points, seven boards, almost a steal over a block, not a great free throw, very good field goal percent on a team where the stats pile up a little bit faster. So you get him his 24 minutes a game at center uh, and he could be just a click above last season. So I like him as kind of in that, Mm, 55 to 70 range. And so that now that that's where he's going, you get a center with great defensive stats late, who's not good at the free throw line, but doesn't take that many of them. Uh, and kind of 
fills out the roster in a way that allows you to not take centers as often early. There, he's just another in a laundry list of centers that I like between like 40 and 75 this year. Okay, so I will happily bad cop this. You can. I mean, you can. Like, we can. I, no, I think I have a good, a decent argument, and it's like you know, I'm using I'm using your wisdom against you. It's the percentages. Yeah, I don't like uh, the free throw thing. The free throw thing is is terrible. But I think what we kind of just assume is that yes, there's opportunity, um, and we, you know, you kind of like you, and you were conservative about the minutes. Um, is that you know, like getting 24 minutes is probably the optimal thing for him because he really can't play that much longer. And if, if new Orleans wants to play at this frenetic pace, how much can he really handle over there? But the percentages are are what caught my attention because when he went on a tear at the end of last year, um, his field goal percentage was 62% and his free throw percentage was 73%. All right. His career field goal percentage and free throw percentage is 52.5% and 66.4%. Less all right. Very much less all right. So that tear, which got him into the top 50 over the course of, again, 24 minutes and over the course of the final two months of the season, you're basically whacking 10 percentage points of field goal percentage and 7 percentage points of free throw percentage when you now have to play that over the course of a full season in new Orleans, which again, pace will help counting stats. I completely agree with that, but he's got to do that within 24 minutes or he's going to fall apart. So I don't like, you know, it, it, perhaps it offsets each other, but those percentages are what buoyed his, his late season run last year. And I think are what kind of what the early expectations were in the rise of his ADP that it's, Oh, Hey, clear opportunity, more minutes, you know, more counting stats, but the same percentages too. And that's where I kind of draw the line and say, actually, eh, no, we need to dial that back a bit. Yeah. There's not a ton of, of wiggle room when you're only playing 23, 24 minutes a game. If something doesn't go right, it's very easy to fall off the end of a table. Um, So that is, that is a, a, uh, a scary thing, I suppose. I like the fact that he will, he's not going to have to play any four in New Orleans. That's a positive for him because um, that was not always the case in Utah with the Rudy mm-hmm. Gobert, Derek Favors lineups together. Um, yeah, I mean, I probably don't end up with him in a ton of spots. To be honest, I, I wouldn't mind ending up with him in a few spots. I just, he. <sighs> You, you got to get into kind of the right league, I guess, yeah. where he is tumbling real far. And usually by the time I get to where I'd be considering him, I probably have like Jonas Valanciunas and someone from the first couple of rounds on my team. And at that point, I'm thinking, well, you know, I could pour another center onto this thing, but I might very well end up with Dwight Powell three rounds from now. So do I really need four of these guys? Right. Uh, and so it, it ends up becoming a little bit more of a team build thing. Where do you stand? Because you, you do an excellent job of uh, debate team over here. Um, I, in reality, I am, I am, <laughs> I am slightly pro-Derek. That's my, my legit stance on him. Yeah, I'm pro Derek as well. I, 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 I'm pro, I, I think I'm no, no. Look, I, I'm, I'm happy. I like this the, the debate style format. We're like we're Wilbon and Kornheiser, you know, just like two two old men talking about uh, fantasy basketball here. So 
Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, but I lean towards pro favors. I look there, I, I think part of it's opportunity, but even when he was kind of squeezed with Gobert in, in Utah, he made the most of it. I think he can do the same. I don't, I don't think that that's an issue. And, and with his ADP falling, I, I think there's less of a risk for him than there was when I originally wrote this, this thing. So number five, round us out is someone we know and love around these parts. Jonathan Isaac. Hmm. All right. I'll let, I think I went first on the last couple. I got excited and I jumped the gun. Oh, so yeah. I'll you let... jumped right in. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Isaac is y- you, if you've listened to this pod, if you have read hoop ball.com. Nice drop. That's hoop ball.com. Uh, you hoop ball <laughs> fantasy NBA today listeners. Um, we, we love Jonathan Isaac. I mean, what's not to love? I mean, this this seven foot athlete who can shoot the three and is a monster on defense. Um, you know, and we love that. Just the cash counters. That's why they're there. And he can be a cash counter machine. He got you know a little bit lost in the shuffle because of injury his rookie season and played a a pretty full season uh, last year. Uh, really, to kind of a mixed set of results if yeah, you will we saw the well yeah said. we we saw the the potential uh but then we kind of lost a little bit in the log jam of things and really w- when all was said and done he was not even a top 100 per game player at the end of the day yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was kind of like he had us this painfully slow start to the season. Uh, we held and we held and we held and we held. And then I know in a couple spots, I actually had to drop him because I had too many injuries to have injured guys and underperforming guys. He did go on a hot run for like a month and a half in the middle of the yeah, year. He did. And then kind of slowed up again down the stretch. It just, I don't know, Josh, I feel like I, I feel like he just, he doesn't have the aggression yet on offense to bring it all together, especially when there's a Vooch and an Aaron Gordon and an Evan Fournier and a Terrence Ross and all these guys are just firing away. And he's like, oh, you know, I'll wait for my turn. And it doesn't come often enough because you need something in addition to the one block, one steal. Yeah, it's it's really, that's what it is right now is just potential. And I, I, I don't think it's so much so like him being tentative. I just think it's like Aaron Gordon, like taking a million three pointers, you know, and, and playing 35 minutes a night doing that. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the offense revolving around Vooch and then him resigning for a max deal, you know, and then bringing in Alfaro Camino to boot. And, and it's, I think all of these things are just like, you know, it takes him out of the flow of the offense when, you know, Aaron Gordon thinks he's clay Thompson. Um, and, and I just, you know, it's hard. It's it, yes, we see the potential. I just, it's really more of a, an opportunity thing that, you know, they had better be committed to not only playing him these level of minutes, but making sure that he stays involved in the offense and that he, you can get him in position to attack the basket. And, yeah. I mean, what and, is and he? Shoot to three. Yeah. Is he, is he the small forward when he's on the floor? What is, what is his job on this team? I think that's the crazy thing is that he's this seven foot guy and they're that he's listed at small forward and he's anything but small. Um, I, I, I guess just because of the defense that he can guard multiple positions and that's where he's going to extract the most value. 
but really, uh, you know, I, I started saying this is that like one of my least favorite fantasy players is Aaron Gordon. Yeah. And, and I just like, I know he's got the deal. I know he was a former number two, I think, overall pick, you know, but like, what is, what is he going to turn into at this point? This is now going into his fifth, sixth season, I think. And, and, and he's more of a jump shooter than he is an attacker. And, and I think that because of their certain similarities, I think Isaac is far and away the better defender. But because of their sim- similarities, they're, 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 it's hampering Isaac's growth on this team. And, you know, until there's some real clarity about what his role is and, and how involved he'll be in the offense, it's going to be insanely difficult for me, for me to trust that he can get beyond that top 100 level on a per-game basis and do it enough to, to warrant a really high ADP right now. I have trouble trusting anyone on the Magic besides Vooch. I'm with you. There's, it's a weird. They needed a point guard. They didn't get one. I mean, I guess they did. If you think Markel Fultz yeah, is going to play the whole Fultz, year, yeah. uh, I don't. Um, I'd love to be proven wrong, but I don't. Um, sure. And you know, if he if he happens to play a bunch, then that throws another wrench into the who's actually going to get the shots on this team thing. Uh, we got to see Jonathan Isaac take more than eight shots a game. It just yeah. has to happen. He has to get up to ten. He needs to be involved in a way that he wasn't last year, and it really did. There were so many stretches. I watch these Magic games, and I just see Jonathan Isaac hanging out off in the corner, yep. like tooling off, doing whatever, because they just didn't care. He was not involved. And then every once in a while, he'd have one of those games where you're like, oh, there it is. You know, three steal, five block, 10 yep. and 12, double-double type thing with a three-pointer. And you're going, why can't we get this more than once every month? What What is the... What is it that needs to happen? And my belief is that those games often coincided with the ones where he took some shots, where yeah. they actually involved him a little bit. And he got like, involved. Then, it, then it's a question of how do we not get Aaron Gordon to take 14, 15 shots again? And please let them be closer to the rim. Seriously. I, I, I just, I've, I've never, it, it's crazy with his kind of body and athleticism that he settles from 16 feet and beyond. He takes as many 16 footers and beyond than he does within three feet of the rim it's crazy yeah, that's unacceptable uh aaron gordon by the way his adp is 60 right now that's way early that's that's lunacy that's um, not a wild card that's a guy who will kill your team especially <laughs> in age. jonathan isaac is at 69 which is a little closer but i still don't i don't know that i'm taking him at that point yet i'm actually good cop on jonathan isaac I, okay i know it didn't sound like i was good cop but i'm good cop on jonathan you isaac. think they're gonna actually get him involved all I know is that, it, like, the, it, I, I'm more just kind of reading the tea leaves from, you know, just team blurbs and, you know, anyone who's kind of around the team that he looks the part, that he I looks so. like he's ready to just be a monster. And I'll, and, and you know, I'll, I'm kind of buying the cool or drinking the Kool Aid a little bit. We know statistically what he can do, it's just really a matter of him having the opportunity i think they might be ready to give it to him i hope you're right i hope that this is like last year was the the hype year and it didn't quite happen and then this is the post hype year and this is where it all it finally finally comes together josh that was great those are five great wild cards good discussions thank you sir i really appreciate it this was (laughs) this was a lot of fun let's you know again anytime you're willing to have me on just to like me 
prattle on about things, you know where to find me. I'll peel you away from your family. Josh, by the way, is going to be on episodes of Box Score Breakdown this year. You're going to be one of our lead hosts on that show. Oh, I cannot wait. I yeah. think it's uh, me and Neil, right? Yes, the, the dynamic duo back together again. Reunited. I'm sure he's thrilled for me to make fun of his mock drafting <laughs> skills on the box score breakdown once a week. It's going to be fantastic. That show's back next week because the NBA is back next week. Josh Millman, Hoopball's own, at Josh Millman on Twitter. Follow immediately. Stop what you're doing. Follow. He said it. You heard it here. He's upping his Twitter game. Josh, thanks a bunch, my man. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. I could not have envisioned a better last thing for you guys to hear before your drafts. If you have them this weekend, going over some of these really intense and high-profile guys, and over the course of this week, I think we've gotten ourselves damn close to ready for fantasy draft time. Cross your fingers for Zion's health. That's all we're worried about on that front. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Good luck in your drafts. And if you want to get involved with us here at Hoopball, we continue to recruit. Send me a note at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter. Hit me up. I beg of you. I love talking to you guys on Twitter. Also, if you've enjoyed the podcast, particularly from this week, we've been working so hard to get you all the information. Always free. Please do rate and review the show. If you need to figure out how, you can ask me. I'll walk you through the whole darn thing. That is what helps us grow subscriptions and reviews. So please subscribe, rate, and review the show. We love those five-star reviews. If you have something you hated, uh, just tell me. You can tweet at me about that, too. Maybe I'll fix it. We just we love those great reviews. Uh, and so thank you to everybody that's done it. Keep them coming. And I think that's it. Go get the draft guide and B-150 if you haven't done it already. I will tell you guys on Monday more about the full season premium pass, which includes all of our live Q&As with pros, our premium articles, our pickups, our drops, all of that great stuff, and a brand new fresh-out-the-oven layup line for the midday folks that's going to have betting info, DFS info, injury info, matchup info, and more. Huh. Well, uh, come to think of it, I guess I just told you about it right now. Um, so I might as well just finish telling you about it here towards the end of the show. If you have the patience, if you're still listening, do check out our Game Time Premium Pass. It's awesome. I am part of some of those live Q&A shows. Uh, we're going to have live Q&A forum threads as well. It's basically, you know, you had the draft guide, you had the B-150 to get you ready for your draft. This is the thing you get to keep you on top of things throughout the entire regular season. So, uh, again, it's going to have all your pickups and drops over the course of the week. The live shows are an opportunity for you guys to ask our analysts, including myself, including Aaron Bruski, uh, Brandon, Ethan, Eric, the Surio, Josh, the list goes on and on and on of these amazing pros that you can bug and say, hey, this is my team. Please help me. You know, it's not a generic thing. It's specific to your needs, in addition to all the written content, which is just fantastic. So uh, do check out Game Time Premium. Um, that was available in the pro package at hoopdashball.com previously. And now, of course, you can get it a la carte because if you've already had your draft, now you got to get yourself ready for the next one. And if you're wondering what these live shows are like, uh, you know, Aaron and I often do a free one on Fridays just so people can kind of see what they would get the rest of the week. Um, and it's just, it's premium content all season long. It'll get you from day one to day, whatever it is, 200 of, uh, of the NBA season. So go to the draft guide, uh, landing page, the buy page at hoop-ball.com. You can see, 
the Game Time Premium Pass and use that coupon code I gave earlier in today's show. $4 off of that as well. So definitely check that out. You can ask me about that too. Again, it's at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter. Again, thank you to Josh Millman. You should also follow him. He is fantastic. He is brilliant. He is stepping up his Twitter game. And he's probably got some drafts going this weekend too. I have three coming up this weekend. Wish me luck. For heaven's sake, I spent all this time doing a podcast. I probably don't prep enough for myself. I am Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Almost basketball time. We'll talk to you on Monday, everybody. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.